It's a Friday morning. I've got an Erev Shabbos. It's Parashas Vayishlach. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to talk about. The parsha tells the story of good versus evil. It tells us the outcome of humble yet dedicated effort. Letzad HaTov. It tells us about the birth of the ultimate antagonist in the Torah, Amalek. We learn about this ultimate showdown between Jacob and a man that echoes through Jewish history and is very much a masterclass in how to go about our business and our affairs with our struggles. And Thursday, Thursday evening, we didn't have so much time to delve into the actual parasha. Spent some of it trying to gather some of the old videos and pictures of the 500-episode journey that is the Motivation Congregation and the weekly Parsha. But this one, following talk, is one that I knew I wanted to say at the very beginning of the week. And I knew that I was going to save it for the weekly Parsha. And now here we are in Erev Shabbos with a chance to go into Shabbos with this mimer from Rabbi Hanan Wasserman titled Yemei Ikvisod de Meshicha on Parshas Vayishlach. On Parshas Vayishlach, we are treated to a step-by-step meeting between Yaakov and Esau, the preparations made, and the eventual meet and greet. And the Ramban and the Vilnagon, they all tell us, that this is actually a foretelling of Claudius Yisrael's future, of our descent from Jerusalem into the diaspora and how we would endure many struggles through the different Gullism, Greece, Rome, Edom. And the Vilna Gone actually weaves it through every single Pasuk. tells the future. When Yaakov is approaching Esau, the Pazak says that he put certain people at the front, certain people in the back. The Vilna Gon explains, and Rabbi Hanan expounds upon it, that this is a reference to even inside of the Jewish people, there being some that are fakers. He references the Igeras Taman, where we went through some tough times when we were forced to convert into other religions in the Rambam's letter about it and how some people, if they don't have faith, we know that their grandparents didn't stand at the foot of Harsinai. It's like there are Erev Rav. And this is the beginning of Gullus for the Jewish people. Yaakov gets closer. The next step in Gullus, that's Le'avila De'acharonim. This is a remez on the good people being mishubed, enslaved by the bad people that are Jewish. Not sure how the Vilna Gon and Rebuchanan see this in the Pasuk, but he references the Jews, maybe it's Marx, or Jews that have enslaved other Jews. Kagoyin, he says, Berosha uvesoviyut v'od be'aretz echos. I don't know what he was referring to in that one, but another country. 
And I'd love to just say, and so on and so forth, because the rest is history. But it's important to hear the examples that the great ones tell us. That's At the end, the main players, the Tamide Chachamim, become the disgraced ones. When Gullus gets really bad, there isn't another country that understands the real greatness of every Talmud Chacham and what the spiritual forces, the metaphysical forces that come out from the greatness of a Torah scholar. Bachanan talks at length about Balabatim used to clamor, tussle to throw their money at Talmudic Chachamim. Please have me in, in mind when you learn. Please marry my daughter. Please do business with me. They were the top of the food chain. And as Gullus goes on, the darkness gets thicker. The Torah study becomes really an intense effort and is studied with total devotion and expertise by a very elite few. But they don't get the recognition from the rest of the world. In fact, those people are sometimes the ones that are thrown into the streets and spit upon and disgraced. A total backwards, upside down, and topsy-turvy world. But this is the descent into Gullus. And this is the story that is being foretold to us between Yaakov and Esau's meeting. And then the eventual struggle when Yaakov actually meets this Saros Shel Esau, the guardian angel of Esau. The Pasuk tells us that they were boxing back and forth through the night. A left hook, a right hook, an uppercut. Yaakov was alone. This is a time when he's finally weak. But the angel could not hit Yaakov in any way that would knock him off of his feet and pull the Jewish people from planet Earth. They would not be destroyed no matter how many persecutions, no, much, no matter how many pogroms, tachvetats, chelnitskis, holocausts, and destructions that the Jewish people go through, they will not be annihilated. Hitler said it best. Marshamo, his name should be erased. That if you even let one of these Jewish people to let live, they're just going to start up all over again. They're like these pests, the way he said it. You can't get rid of them. And he's darn right. The angel said, I can't beat you. So one last dirty cheap shot right before the final whistle. And he touched him in a place that really hurts, a place of weakness, the fatty, fleshy part of the thigh. And he dislocated the gid hanash or the sciatica nerve, a mitzvah that we don't eat that part. Unless nikur is performed and it's cut out in the proper way. Because that's a spot, a reference of weakness, a simon for tumma, 
And that's the last blow before the morning. The sun comes up. The angel disappears. Yaakov continues on his way, successful. And he even gets a blessing. But for us, that we're living in the ikvisa de Meshicha, we're clearly looking back on all of these historical references and all of these vayasa meshashvachas v'iladeim rishona and that Erev Rav, the Rambam writing about the Moranos and the Igeris Teman, and we know about the Talmidei Chachamim and all the great Torah that has been destroyed and the murdering, massacring of Talmidei Chachamim and putting Torah and Ruchnius on a pedestal. We're definitely of the Ikvisa de Meshicha, right before the sun comes up and Mashiach shows himself. And everybody knows the Jewish people are the ultimate servants of Hashem, and they bring the truth to the world. So we focus on what is the final step? Well, the struggle is in the thigh. It's in the yiga bekaf yerecho. We're limping. And in order for us to see to it that Mashiach does come, it seems like there's some Avoda that needs to be done in this area where we were hit to kind of push it forward, limp through, and give a refuishalema of sorts to counteract the cosmic negative influences and forces. The Zohar tells us exactly what this struggle is. The Tamchin de Araisa, Vayiga Bakaf Yerecho. Says Rabbi Hanan, that the Eitzar saw that he could not beat the Jewish people. He kept going after the Torah scholars. But to no avail, they would not give up. They would not miss first Seder. They would not close their Gemaras, no matter how much pro- poverty he brought about. But then the Eitzar said, let me go to the supporters of Torah. Let me set up a siege. Let me suck out the cash. Let me take away all finances. This is what the Zohar says. Tamachin de Oraisa. He hit him in the spot that hurts. It sounds like this is an area that represents Gashmias. That's maybe where the Kabbalistic Zohar understanding of it comes from. He went right after the area of the thigh that represents Gashmias, the physical aspect of things. So taking away the Ruchnias, spiritual, separating it, the thigh, no more. Money, no more Torah. I was thinking, talking about this with a great Rebbe of mine, often you find that there are massive chesed organizations, huge buildings, enterprises, chesed tycoons. But sometimes, or all the time, almost all the time, there are famous yeshivas, but a lot of yeshivas just have to close down because they don't have money. It's not exciting to donate a couple extra gemaras to a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael that just can't support the Bahram, the Kolo guys. 
People that want to stay in learning, okay, but they can't. Nobody really wants to buy into their Torah learning. Again, this isn't an all or nothing. There are many situations in which Torah is absolutely thriving. But that was what the struggle is. He hit him in the thigh. Let's get rid of the resources. I wonder if the Zavulin, Yisachar partnership, is something to think about bringing back. I wonder if a Kolo guy said, I'm willing to give away half of all of the schar of my Torah to a Balabas, and in exchange for them just covering my basic expenses, he got a little extra, find the best guy in BMG and say, keep doing your thing, give me half your reward, and I'll take care of your mortgage. I wonder, that used to be a way things went. I wonder if anyone would be interested in that anymore. And further, it's pointed out over and over. One of the main struggles of this generation is he hit him in the spot that hurts. This is the area of Tumat, the area of the Makam Brismila. We found that Eliezer was told to swear that he was going to go find a wife. He put his hand underneath the thigh. Rashi says that this area is the area of the private area. The Makam Hamila. And he hit him to struggle with Arias, with immorality. As if the final battle would be in a way that something that Hashem really hates and doesn't tolerate. Immorality. Bilam used the same tactic. You can't get him. You can't beat him. There's no way. But if we try with immorality, use Benos Moav, get them to sin, then maybe we have a shot. The Yerech Yaakov, the thigh. These are two areas that we see clear as day are the current struggles. We know that Yosef had to deal with the Gullus Edom. Yosef is always connected to Gullus Edom on a much more deep Kabbalistic level, but his struggle was Arias as well. At least that's how he was tested. So how do we fight back? What's the Evoda? We know the struggles. We know the challenges. That's nice. How do we get Mashiach to be coming around the mountain when he comes? So, it's to double down, says the Chavetz Chaim, and success in these areas. Seems to be almost self-explanatory. But it's to be Mashiv Torah. It's to put the Tamid HaChemim on a pedestal. It's to turn your head upside down so you see the world the right way. And in the learning of Torah, the Chavetz Chaim used to say a famous line, I'm going to struggle through the Yiddish and embarrass myself, but just because some legendary Yiddish. But Chanan says that my Rebbe used to say that the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara erdnet un zelfasten un vernen un davenen un ganen tog the Yitzhahara does not care if you fast for sake of holiness or you daven the entire day. He's happy for you to do that. But avinit learning. But he just doesn't allow. He doesn't want that you should sit and actually learn some serious Torah. 
It's for this reason, says the Chafetz Chaim, that the Yitzhahar actually went after Yaakov. Ultimately, if you're trying to eradicate the Jewish people from the world, why'd you even let Avram Avinu get started? Okay, if he got started, you didn't want to attack him. We don't have this episode of Vayiga Bekaf Yerecho with Avram Avinu. But why isn't there a Vayavik Ish Imo with Yitzchak? Just stomp out the pesky Jewish religion before it even begins and gets going. Why'd you wait? For Yaakov. Says the Chavetz Chaim. And his Talmud explains it. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with real tshuva, is mevater on even some of the worst sins. But the Yerushalmi Chagiga says, But not. Why? Because as long as we suffer from the Yetzirah, ups and downs, we still have hope. It's a marathon because we have the Tyra. And as long as one is studying Tyra with intensity, it's like one is, God forbid, sick, but he's got the medication that he needs. It just takes time for it to actually kick in. It's like you're fencing back and forth in a battle and one man hits you and then all of a sudden you hit back and even though you've now been knocked out, you're lying on the floor bleeding out, but if you still have your weapon in hand, you still can fight, says Rabbi Khanan. But now came the Yitzhahara and he sought to eradicate the pillar of Tyra, Yaakov Avinu. He wanted to knock his weapon out of his hands because the Yitzhahara hates Torah study because as long as we have Torah, then we still have breath in our lungs. And we have the ability to overcome even the worst sins and the worst struggles. That's why Esau's guardian angel went after Yaakov because he represented in a very heavenly way Tyra. Yaakov was Tyra. If you can get rid of it, if you can make a siege around it, make the Torah scholars so poor that they can't learn, maybe, maybe it'll stop. Maybe if we get some Arias in there, maybe it'll distract people and they'll run after whatever it is that they have on their phone or in some other situation. And maybe that'll ruin the, the Torah. And the Yitzhahara will have a shot. So our avoda. Should you choose to accept it? It's to be mechazek in our Torah. God gave us the Yitzhahara. It's like a cancer. But if we try to fight it with anything else, it's just like fighting back with some Advil without any weapons in hand. It's interesting. When it comes to Talmud Torah, somehow the mitzvah almost seems extra credit in a weird way. As if if I'm not feeling well, I'm very happy to still get out of bed and fight myself to be able to make sure I put on tefillin. It's a no-brainer. But with, with Torah study, I'll do the best that I can, but today I'm just not feeling it. As if it's extra credit. The truth is, it's the same mitzvah. 
Every person's obligated to learn Torah every day, just like he puts on tefillin. Somehow it became that you know, the rabbis learn and everyone else is exempt. And those that actually do strive to learn, but just frankly, they don't enjoy it. They don't want to do too much of it. It's just too hard for them. Well, there is a way. You could support Tyra. You learn a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night. Maybe that's at least just Krishma and you have intention when you're saying it. A little bit of Torah. You say, Ezehum Mekoman, a little Gemara, a little Prisa in there. You say the Karbono, some Tyra. But if more is too much to ask, well then, Elu Tamchen Daraisa, go find yourself a Kolo guy and support him. You're fighting back. Of course. This is the way the Rambam says. To fight back against Arias too. You don't go out and try to fight back in a kumbha and thinking about it and processing it. But you just fill your head, says the Rambam, with words of Torah and it, all the bad thoughts go out the back door. So that's why Yaakov is called Sarisa. Because he lorded over the Yetzirah and because he was the pillar of Torah. Because Torah is always the remedy for the disease and the infection and the cancerous Yesahara. With our inspiring ourselves to learn another minute, to learn with a seriousness, with an accountability, with a responsibility, with a day in, with a day out, with a supporting of it financially. It should be Hashem's will that he sees that. And he sends Mashiach. Coming right here, right now, Bimher Biomenu. And hopefully when we look up, we'll see that Mashiach truly is coming around the mountain when he comes. Kill them, get the sh-